This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> And welcome to episode 133 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How are you doing, mate? Jordan, I am good. How are you going? I'm not too bad. You know, I feel like it's you know, it's getting a bit lighter in the mornings. I feel like the, the summer's coming. It's a, it's a good time, you know. It's obviously for the rest of the world who's kind of dying in heat waves and all sorts of stuff. But we're, you know, we've come out of a, a very wet winter so i'm looking forward to a bit of a change we come out of winter we're into spring now i'm sitting here in a t-shirt it feels warm it feels like it's um it's exciting the one thing and i've said it before the thing that summer brings is light and light always ruins my television's display so i'm gonna have to get some blackout curtains yeah yeah that that's not good I, i've lived in houses where that's been a real problem before where you know unless you've got you know like the oled with the the you know blackest blacks it's it can be tough going it's a real first world problem i'm also coming in really excited about something i've watched this week dan and i'm going to make a prediction that you may fire me from the podcast before we finish today so we'll see how we go all right paulie let's uh let's jump into it what have you been watching what do you got for me this week well dan i know you won't believe me but i am telling you right now i've watched another show that's going to be in my top 10 tv shows for 2022 I feel like the quality this year has just gone up a notch somehow. Either that or there's just a lot of good shows or I need to redefine what truly great is. But I don't know how this show won't be in my list come December. I know I've said that for three shows in a row and that's not possible. So this show stars Christopher Walken, uh, John Turturro, Patricia Arquette, uh, Arquette sorry, and a standout performance from Adam Scott and it's called Severance. And this was uh, this is a recommendation that popped up in our Discord, and it's the premise that actually really hooked me into this. So this is uh, about a guy called uh, Mark, who played by Adam Scott, who leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and their personal lives. And then when a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a bit of a journey to discover the truth about um, what they're doing for their day job, and. This So this is the fourth show I've watched on Apple TV, and I have to say all four are absolute premium quality. This platform has really shocked me. So that's Ted Lasso, Slow Horses, and of course, For All Mankind. But Severance, I cannot speak highly enough about this show. It really took me off guard, and I, I've been talking about it all week. I've heard a lot about the show, and it's um... – it is on my list, and we actually, to be honest with you, we gave it a go um, a few months ago, but we only watched half of the first episode, and it didn't immediately kind of capture yep. us. But since then, so many people are saying, watch Severance, watch Severance, that we've actually put it back on the list, that we need to go back and watch oh, that's it. Good. Because obviously, maybe we weren't in the right mind space or what it was, or maybe it's a slow start. Oh, it's a slow start. It does. like It's it's classic Apple. There's a lot of shows at Apple that seem to be slow starts. Um, but once she gets going... By the time you get to the end, you, like the final episode, you're like that. That can't be. That can't be. It. That's not where we're leaving it. That you can't finish a season. Like in terms of, it's not even a cliffhanger. It's just an ending. And it's um, 
like if there's no there, there is a season two coming but if there was no season two coming this would go down in history as one of the most outrageous endings it's it's such a unique idea i'll, I'll be real spoiler light and it'd be good if you do watch it we can dive in deeper but yeah such intriguing concepts um as always you know projection quality is impeccable it's a very the whole feel of this series is a very stanley kubrick sort of look and vibe which is interesting um patricia arquette honestly she's great best performance i've seen from her i would almost say since true romance i feel like um she's just this is a a milestone performance for her but as i said adam scott really convinced me in this that he's so much more than than comedy it's a it's a benchmark performance for him as well I'm a real big Adam Scott fan. I think that's probably one of the the big draw cards for me. Like, and I think you're right. Like, I I mostly know him from the the more comedic side of things. But it's um, yeah. it, to be honest, when you see Christopher Walken's in this, and I just pulled up the IMDb, IMDb page now, and it kind of was like, oh wow. Like, it's I didn't realize actually how big the cast was because when I the, the little bit of I watched of this TV show, I only just scratched the surface. Yeah, and he yeah we obviously having just watched him in the outlaws it seems very odd to watch christopher walken in two shows back to back um but he he's good but another and i'm saying they will stand out performances but john turturro when we reviewed the batman earlier this year and i sort of said had that role changed my opinion of him you know it's such a serious role in the batman again here this is again two roles back to back where he's just for me stepped away from some of the other roles he's perhaps done he's he's really really strong i have so little criticism about this show that when i was thinking about what would i come in and talk about as a as a negative but the only thing i think of was the opening credits the, the opening credits is a really cool idea but i didn't like the way it was done it's kind of like if you give someone a design brief and then when they give you back the product you can you can see what you asked for is in there, but it's not at all how you envisaged. But if the credits is my biggest problem with this thing, um, I don't. Yeah, I can't have too much bad to say. And um, also another shout out, Britt Lower, uh, who plays Helly, um, who's one of the, like the core four characters in this. Um, I've never seen her before. She's really good in it too. The direction, Ben Stiller, he like he has direction in his locker, and again, not something I saw coming from ben stiller just absolutely brilliant yeah he's he's actually really he's behind quite a few projects mm. isn't he ben stiller and it's um good to see him in the in this sort of role again like moving away from that sort of pure comedy into you know quite a a serious sort of what what is this a drama mystery sci-fi so yeah good, good stuff look you've you've reconfirmed that i need to bump it up the list i am a little bit scared to watch it because just like you, Paul, I've already got a, a top 10 list that's bursting. And I, too, am coming to you this week with a, a show that's going to need to make an entry. So it's going to be tough. It's it's almost like you, might, you sort of don't want to watch some things. And so sort of say, oh, if I say I hadn't had a chance to watch it, then I don't have to feel bad about the fact it's not going to be in my list. But yeah, I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to be in there, but I feel like it's at the moment, whether it's recency or whatever, I just, this is really resonating with me. And I'm talking to a lot of people about it who are having similar vibes. And um, it's just... Just a great concept. So you imagine getting out the lift at your workplace. You know, if you if you've got a job and you get out at your workplace, and um, and you you can't remember anything about your personal life or anything. And the last thing you can remember was leaving work the previous day. And similarly, imagine being the other side of the coin, where all you remember is your personal life, and you, you never have to go to work. It's it's a uh, it's fascinating. I would imagine you'd have a great sleep, you know, like you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah, you go to bed right. and you're like, oh, I've got to do this thing tomorrow. That's or right. 
you just sleep so correctly. Correct. And conversely, perhaps the uh, the innie, the person that is the the working person, maybe maybe they don't have such a good sleep. But anyway, I'll go no further. Yeah. That's that's severance on Apple TV, and yeah, I can't can't talk that one up enough. Um, the other thing I've uh, watched this week, um, this is a 2019 movie, Charlie's Angels. And this one came up on the radar and it was kind of like, do you know what? Let's give this a go. And so, you know, on the back of the, I mean, I remember watching a, a little bit of the TV series back in the day, but not, you know, not properly. And of course the, 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 the two movies that sort of brought the franchise back, I'd heard so much negative press about Charlie's angels. Um, that's, it was, and it, and it kind of fell into that same, um, you know, the, the bad press that Ghostbusters Afterlife got, and the bad press that Ocean's Eight got. And I, I kind of sensed a bit of a trend and a bit of, a bit of a, um, a pattern as to where that criticism was coming and being directed towards. And so I thought, you know, it's sitting at four point nine out of ten on IMDb with really bad reviews. I'm going to give it a go. It's not going to be remembered as a timeless, timeless classic, right? But as you would say. I had a really good time watching it and really sort of Saturday night popcorn, bit of fun. There was a lot about this movie I really, really enjoyed. I think that that's always the thing with these types of movies, isn't it? Like, and I think the reason they get so harshly judged is because, you know, Charlie's Angels has been rebooted more times than, you know, your mum's old computer. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. It's just like the, yeah, I didn't know where I was going either. Um, it's it's kind of just it's you know like we've had so many sort of hot takes on the movie and people are constantly kind of judging it for you know how true it is to the source material, whether it does anything new. And I think sometimes, like it, in my mind, when you were talking about this movie, it reminded me of how much I enjoyed the the modern day Baywatch movie with The Rock and like. It, is it a good movie? No, not really. But did I have a great time? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I think that, that that's all that kind of matters. And I think sometimes with a movie like this too, not only is it fun, like you're kind of like, you know, I presume you probably watch this with your kids. You're probably reintroducing like another generation into this genre. It's a, it's exactly how you put it. It's like, is it, is it, is it a great movie? No. Did I have a good time? Yes. It's, 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 I think it is doing something with the genre. I think it's, it's true to the spirit of what it's, um what it's always been about for me and i feel like um that they did the things i would want it to do in terms of the like elizabeth banks as the director i think she did an amazing job with directing you know the the stunts the action scenes all all really good all well done from a directing point of view just superb on the other hand i'm not sure that the writing was so good and, and she wrote the screenplay so i'll give a kudos for the directing um you know, as it as it was good over the top action as you'd want for this type of movie. The script, the dialogue that got you there was just not believable. It was poor at times, and that was a shame because actually, at a high level, the overall plot—if you were to look at the whole premise and plot of what they were doing—that really checks out fine. Um, so it just needed a bit more attention to detail. But Patrick Stewart um, as John Bosley in this as well—I um, always appreciate seeing him in anything because for such a great actor, with respect. I just, I, I think of him as 
Jean-Luc Picard and Charles Xavier and not a lot else in between. And so it's always fascinating to see him play um, someone else. Um, we had you know, some cameos from the original Charlies from the from the series back in the day, um, which was which was quite nice. Um, but yeah, it's um, I'm going to recommend it. I think if if you're a, if you're a fan of this genre and you like the previous versions, I think I think you'll find this quite a bit of fun. I thought from a from a cast point of view, um, I thought Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott in particular were really really good um ella Belinska also very good but yeah i i don't feel that a lot of the hate that it's got has been uh necessarily overly fair because it's kind of like as you say the baywatch one is a great example it's kind of like you know what you're getting going in don't come out of it like a paul canal saying oh the writing's not very good you know you know what you're getting going in and that's what you get I think too, you know, a movie like this, you know, 2019, this came out, like if this had came straight to streaming, it probably would have got a much better uptake because I feel like back in the day, like, you know, 2019, like I'm not sure whether it came out sort of where in sort of the pandemic history, but, you know, if you were paying money to go to a movie, because it doesn't feel like you're paying for streaming, like, you know, like you pay your monthly fees for your subscription, but like to actually pay to go to a movie, like, you know, you fifty dollar experience plus the time you know you've bought tickets you've got snacks like you really are thinking did i enjoy it was it worth my 50 bucks versus if you're just watching this amongst the suite of other things that you're watching on streaming services love it or hate it you probably don't have the same emotion about it correct oh 100 and and i think how you're watching it and when you're watching it does make a, a a huge huge difference so um so yeah so this is available in new zealand to watch on neon um and uh yeah as i say kristen stewart really good naomi scott also really good and i've just started watching another series which i'll probably talk about next week because i've only got a couple of episodes in with naomi scott again so seeing her in something else and she's someone who's really sort of um making a bit of a mark at the moment but yeah i'm recommending it oh it's it's good look i i've long considered watching this movie and it's sort of always i'm always sort of teetering on the edge of checking it out so you've You've given it a thumbs up. It's on Neon. It's good times. That's me, Dan. What have you been watching this week? And what is this top 10 series you're bringing to me? Oh, well, I'll, I'll come to that. Okay. Because that's okay. sort of my, I, I, I like to bring you the things in order. I don't know if you've even noticed, but like I, I, I always sort of bring my, I, I ramp up to my favorite. Oh, I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, I need to tell you about Severance. And then, oh, here's Charlie's Angels. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I've okay. never spotted that. I I've never like spotted that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, do. I always save my best for last. I think. Um, okay, so the first thing that I've been uh, watching is I've watched a, a movie slash documentary on the on called Woodstock '99: Peace, Love, and Rage. So this is um, uh, a documentary. That kind of you know, there's a bit of chatter around the office about it, and I thought, you know, let's let's check it out. And like sometimes I do enjoy a good sort of documentary, just to kind of like chill out and just you know, get a bit of a, a vibe on what's been happening. Now, interestingly, there is also a Woodstock documentary. Uh, it's in three parts, also on Netflix. And I think when I've been talking about the people, there's sometimes a bit of confusion between the the HBO version that's on Neon and then the slightly different take on it, which is on Netflix. So this is the the Neon version. And so basically the the, the story here is, so it's Woodstock 99. Um, it's you know, they're trying to recreate the magic of the original Woodstock from 1969, where um, 30 years later, 
And do you remember when we reviewed the fire the fire festival uh, documentary? We reviewed or you reviewed? Did maybe I reviewed <laughs> it? So I don't remember. That. I know. So this is basically like, so you you know you imagine so one of the big challenges they had in, in Woodstock back in 1969 is um, huge like a huge 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 event. There was all sorts of like chaos and rain and mud and then like it wasn't really like a, a like a, a fenced event or it was people broke the fences people were getting in for free it was you know remembered for all a whole bunch of great things even though you know a bunch of bad things also happened there so in this in Woodstock 99 they decided to host this huge you know three-day festival uh basically inside a giant sort of um retired no longer used sort of military um, airfield. And so this was like, you know, highly fenced, uh, very secure. Uh, one of the challenges with the event, though, is they've got all these concerts, they've got all these people, they've got black tarmac, the sun's pumping down, they haven't provided enough water, there's not enough toilets, there's not enough, like, food. Um, it's completely like they – none of the right things are in place to make this a success. And basically this documentary is about sort of the the three-day downfall of mankind. Like so you kind of – you start off where it's kind of, you know, people are here for a good time. Um, people are starting to get sort of dehydrated. People are getting like hypothermia. Uh, people are trying to find shade under things. And by the end of the three days, it is such a, a ruckus of riots, um, assaults, sexual assaults, fighting people like smashing down things people starting fires like the whole thing is a horror show it's a real lord of the flies type event and it's just kind of like it's it's horrific to watch and and fascinating as well and to think that this is just how quickly sort of the downfall of society sort of happens within a bubble and just the the things that were going on at this event are just horrific and the it's kind of interviewing people who attended it's interviewing the I guess the producers and the the hosts of the event and just like such a lack of accountability for like oh well it's just you know it is what it is like people need to manage their own like you know needs or you know don't you know don't do these types of things and and at the end of the this documentary they were even sort of talking about oh we need to host another one you know Woodstock 2030 <laughs> And it's just like it's all been shut down now, but like just absolutely outrageous. It, it was fascinating, terrifying, and interesting, all kind of in one. And I'd say one of the best things about it <clears throat> for me was actually just kind of the flashback to who were the who were the great bands back in nineteen ninety. Yes. So you know, it was so good. Like we had like live. There's uh, Limp Biscuit. There's Jewel. There's just there was Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was. It was so, so great to have this, like, great kind of, like, live acts all in one place, but at the same time, this com- surrounded in complete, complete chaos. Absolutely incredible. I was actually just looking at the the Woodstock 99 poster. Um, you know, Chemical Brothers, James Brown, Counting Crows, Cheryl Crow, just, like, it's a, it's amazing, the, the, the list of uh, artists there. And, you know, I just finished university at the time and i still remember the the news coverage of this it was just absolutely out of control and as you were talking it was weird because people have been talking to me about this this was the documentary and how you were describing it was different to how they describe it and then i suddenly realized that 
There's actually another one that released last week on Netflix called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. And that's the one that those, so I'm actually thinking you might be, if you've enjoyed this one, you might be intrigued to go see what that one's like. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying at the start. Oh, was it? There's, there's, yeah, yeah. So, so there's people I think who are kind of like mixed up between the two, oh, and that's so the one. and right. and so when I was I, I was watching the the trailer for the Netflix one, and it looked similar, just maybe a slightly different take on it, but it's it, it looks like a very sort of you know the same events happened, and I think you know so many like. Um, like gross things happen as well. Mm. Like there's people like in Woodstock and like sliding around in the mud and it actually turns out that's not mud, it's sewage. And it's like, like I just like, okay, like okay. how do you not know that? Like there's portaloos everywhere. You, so, so horrific. And just, you know, near the very end of the, of the uh, festival, I guess, like there's literally like fires burning. They're having to like pause the, pause the music, like, Limp biscuits playing there, having to like stop and ask people to like make way for the fire brigade, and just people are just turning into absolute animals. So it's it's kind of like a, a fascinating, disturbing, fun music rewatch. But it's kind of like it's it's such a it's such a, a look into the petri disc of society. Oh, fascinating! I mean, just the photo gallery of what this looks like is absolutely extraordinary, and. Um... And evidence also that this Half Measures podcast, I can't listen to what you're saying and search up my own thing and do that at the same time quite clearly. <laughs> but at least I was on the right vibe. I was thinking, this isn't the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to check it out, this one here is on um, Neon in New Zealand or alternatively there is the the Netflix, um, I think it's three or four part series. So you can check that out. But the show I really want to talk to you about today, Paul, is – I. Same situation for me. So I've accidentally stumbled upon another great TV show that is, this is in my top 10. Like there's no way it is not in my top 10. And that means it's going to have to be a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> wow. That's how good I'm it excited. Is. So <clears throat> this is a, a TV show just came out this year. Um, it's on Disney Plus here in New Zealand on Hulu um, around the world um, called The Bear. And it's a nine part uh nine-part first season, really easy really easy to watch, um, sort of 30-ish minute episodes, maybe apart from the last one that's about an hour, and you just find yourself watching the show like a crack addict. You're just like more, more, more. And so it's basically about a, a young chef um, from the fine dining world, and he returns to uh, Chicago to his family's sandwich shop, and it's got like a absolutely – awesome cast it's got jeremy allen white who i'm a real big fan of he was in uh, the u.s vision of shameless um it's got ebon moss um i'm not sure how you say his last name Bashrush. um he was he was actually in in the punisher it's got john burnthal in it it's it's so good and so basically the uh, our main actor uh, Jeremy Allen White, who, who plays a guy called Carmen, and so he's just—he's from like real fine dining. He's used to like exquisite meals, and he's trying to turn around this like Chicago sandwich store, and like it's real raw and gritty and angry, and it's just like a real kind of journey. And it's honestly, it's one of the and Samara's the same. It's one of the greatest TV shows we've watched this year. We just had so much fun watching it. This has to go on the list. It's as simple as that. Just the premise itself sounds so simplistic. A young chef 
from fine dining returns to Chicago to run his family sandwich shop. I mean, it's it's always the simplest of plots that sometimes really can you know really give you the the, the greatest television show. Uh, yeah, Eben Moss Backrack. I remember him from Punisher, um, and just looking through, well, really great ratings. The vibe of it, the poster is great. Um, it just. What would you say? What would be your? If you like this, then you're going to like the bear because there's some things I'm looking at here that remind me of other shows. Where I'm curious as to what your pick is. I, I think if you like Shameless, yep. you're definitely going to love this show because this Shameless is also set in Chicago, and this this very much feels like it's kind of a a spinoff of of that. I don't know whether I would. What else would I uh, link it to currently? Nothing kind of I, – I, it feels so sort of um, raw and gritty and kind of dark and it's got a bit of a little bit of sort of comedy to it, but it's – I don't know, it just it just opened my eyes to a whole different world and, you know, in this in this sandwich shop, like you – so you imagine you're in a fine dining restaurant. Whenever you – if you're in the kitchen, you, talk to, you refer to everyone as chef. And so if I say to you, where's the salmon, you'd be like – You'd be like, yes, chef, or whatever. And like, everyone's called chef. And so even afterwards, in our house, it's just like, if anyone's <laughs> cooking, it's like, yes, chef, yes, chef. You know, like, it's a sign of respect. That's what you do now. So um, it's, and I think it's just one of those shows where, even though it's like quite short episodes and it's only nine episodes per season, real deep kind of, um, almost kind of like characters and everyone in the in this Chicago sandwich shop is interesting and you want to know more about it and it's it just kind of is it felt refreshing and different and contained and yes there's some sort of like there's some sort of big plot things that happen in there but it just felt like a a really kind of meaningful and, and interesting show and you know I would fully expect Jeremy Allen White to get some awards for this I just think it's it's a it's a stunning show. I I think there's sort of talks of a, another season, which I, I really hope because there's there's so much more story to tell here. I love the word contained that you use because that was something that struck me looking through the photos. It's a very this is the environment in which we're working in. This is the story, and I love the simple. I've always loved the simplicity of something that's contained in that respect. So, and, and you imagine Paul, right? Like, so if you're a fine dining chef and you're coming to the sandwich store. You, you know, like you've ordered a sandwich from Subway. And it, <laughs> look, this, this is how it's done. You know, this is where the ingredients are. You don't mess that up. And like any kind of like innovation or anything different, there would just be just like met with such kind of uh, such a wall. And I think often in the show, they don't even really like every now and again, they show the customers, but it's it's most often about the kitchen and, and the environment between the different chefs. And it's, it's just, it's just really good. And I think I, I was so delighted with this TV show. Like I sort of had heard a little bit about it coming out. Um, and then when I saw it on Disney Plus, I was just like, this is, it's, oh, it's, it's so good. It's, it's definitely going to be in my top 10. There is things that need to go to the altar to, to be, you know, moved on. Amazing. The reason I asked you about, oh, do you, what else does it remind you of? Funnily enough at the bottom of on IMDb's page, it says, oh, if, if you like this more like this, um, it's got severance. <laughs> Sh- shameless oh, yeah. and only murders in the buildings uh, and succession oh, so right. um there's there's some some great sort of mixes of things that you and i have both watched there interestingly my more like this actually says blackbird which is another great tv show on apple tv oh, yeah. um uh and severance so yeah so great it's look it's a 
I think you're right. You said it earlier in the episode. There is a lot of good stuff coming out right now, and the year's not even over. So uh, we've got this month. We're coming. Yeah, you know, we're here in September. There are several shows which, based on reputation, previous seasons, and other things, we might venture would also be in that list as well. So we got some. You need to clear out your schedule, Dan, because we got some some busy times ahead. And I think coming up with some criteria, or like, you know, it's individual, but like what is good is going to be, you know, like, did you just enjoy it or was it truly good? Like, you know, this is... Don't try and workshop me, Dan. You know, we, we, we don't hand out these certificates lightly. So um, I think there's, there's some work to be done here. Whiteboard session? Whiteboard session. So that is The Bear. You can watch that on Disney Plus here in New Zealand um, or maybe Disney Plus where you live or Hulu. Shall we uh, jump on over to our movie of the week? Definitely. So every week, Dan and I take in turns, watch a movie, uh, review it a week later. We announce a week before what that movie will be in our Discord community, which you can also join if you just click on the link in the show notes where you're listening to your podcast. And this week, Dan, we have gone, and this seems extraordinary to say, with a brand new, Clint, well, relatively new 2021, Clint Eastwood Cowboy movie. Cry Macho. Yeah, so this is about a a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder who takes a job to bring a man's son home and away from his alcoholic mum. On their journey, the horseman finds redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. What did you think, Paul? I was really hoping you were just going to jump into what you thought first because... I I can do it if you want me to. No, I need need to be brave. I can tell you what, this movie grew on me. The first 20 minutes in, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it at all. Um, and, you know, you and I, as many people, are huge, huge Clint Eastwood fans. And in the in the first, as I say, in the first sort of 20 minutes, I just wasn't buying into some things. There were things that were going on, some of the establishing pieces they were trying to set up. And I was like, I don't feel like this is all fitting together. It's not making sense to me. And I was... I, 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 when I, when there's someone who's someone who's so well respected and so well loved, I don't want to be going in and, and watching a 92 year old Clint Eastwood and having bad things to say. But as I say, it did grow me as it went. It's not one of the the classics from my perspective. Um, there were times when having Clint Eastwood, age 92 punch people 60 years his junior clean in the face and have them fall down didn't quite check out for me um but directing it and starring it at age 92 extraordinary that Clint Eastwood is doing that it's not a classic though I think this movie sucks um (laughs) (laughs) the black and white Dan I love it I Look, I'm I'm with you in the sense that like I don't like to speak ill of Clint Eastwood. Like I think he's he's got a lot of great movies. Um I think it's admirable the fact that he stars and directs this movie. I think the problem for me with this movie is I felt like it was just a story about not enough and it didn't have enough kind of heart and soul in it for me. And I think I found it hard to resonate with Clint Eastwood's character kind of from the get-go. And I think as soon as he kind of like went on this journey, like there were some moments of like obviously he's trying to teach this this young boy, you know, and he's trying to help him and he's – but it just – it 
it it kind of felt like, and I feel like this is probably going to get a little bit of backlash. It, you know how sometimes you watch a Western movie and it can kind of be a bit about nothing? Mm-hmm. I feel like this was kind of one of those movies. And I would kind of hate for this to be the last thing that we see from Clint Eastwood because I think it's a big job to take on both the star and the director. And and I don't even know if it was, I actually think it was just actually the story that didn't really resonate for me because I, you know, I can get behind Clint Eastwood being a, a, a grizzled old cowboy. I think, you know, kind of the, even the movie title cry macho kind of like sparks some interest and even, even the plot kind of sparks interest, but I just don't think it was a story that um, captured me. I was glad it was a relatively short movie at yeah. an hour 44 because uh, if it had been any longer, I just, don't know it it was a bit of a miss for me and i didn't want it to be but here we are it's um it's interesting because 2008 gran torino i remember clintus would saying oh i think this could be the last time you see me in front of the camera and you know gran torino was absolutely top draw absolutely super movie i've watched that movie a number of times and then he still continued to, you know, direct, and then he was still in front of the camera with, um, with travel with the curve and with the mule, which we reviewed not that long ago. And the mule was a solid movie and a solid performance, but the the story, the story is where my I'm pointing the the finger at the most um, because from a directing point of view, I, I feel like he did nothing wrong. From an acting point of view, his voice gives out a few times. It's not quite there anymore, but I thought he was. I thought he was fine. It was the things that were happening, like like you said, when he went on this mission. I didn't believe he would have just accepted the, that guy talking to the way he did at the start, or that he would just accept this mission from him, or that when he went on down into Mexico, that he would just walk into the the, the boy's father's place just so obviously and blatantly. And there was just a lot of poor writing. Yeah, even having. You know, I don't know how to say it, but having having women fifty years his junior look at him like he was, you know, maybe an option that they might consider. It just there was just things that were like, really, what's what's going on here? And it just it just didn't lend itself to any credibility. And um, like you, I was glad that it was relatively relatively short. I'll be real harsh since you, you're coming in hot as well. I thought the support cast across the board didn't really convince me. I'm sorry, and uh, that didn't yeah, help I- it. That was a real big gap for me as well, and I think, and uh, look, I, even the young boy that was with him, and just sort of some of these like rooster scenes, and just the the bad guy thugs, like it, it was the caliber wasn't there to go alongside Clint Eastwood, and I I just feel like this shouldn't this this shouldn't exist as a package. I don't think. Um, I don't know why you would put yourself through this. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a shame. I, this it's probably right for somebody, but it just it just didn't tick any of the boxes for me. No, and it was I think it's doubly disappointing because a new Clint Eastwood movie in itself is exciting, but to see him, you know, he was at some point in this movie back up on the horse. You know, he's got the hat on for most of the movie. That's that's iconic in terms of you know when I think about some of my all time favorite movies like the the spaghetti western, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly all the way through Unforgiven, there's something special about Clint Eastwood with the hat again. And and so I was excited about that. And now I'm thinking, oh, I wish actually this isn't the final cowboy movie he does. And I'm just looking at his uh, 
at his page and, and as you might expect there's no there's nothing in the acting uh column that's 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 ahead of this and um yeah it's a shame it, it is a shame and i think you know i to be honest like and look i'm sure this is a lot of work but you know i'm just a, a podcast <laughs> you know critic just throwing around opinions with no cares in yep. the world like i i would almost rather see him kind of direct or almost kind of cameo in like a a final epic western movie and i think that would be the way that i'd like to sort of be his final piece like a real true western Correct. and him kind of yeah like i think that that would be awesome. i love that idea and i think what is the most crucial thing with clint eastwood and what make has always made him strong throughout anything is the lines that he's delivering whether that's dirty harry whether whether that's the man with no name whether whatever it is uh, he when he's delivering lines i mean grand torino the lines he was delivering in that movie give oh. give him that cameo give him a great part with some great lines that's how you do it because the the yeah the writing in this the lines he was delivering just made no sense and i just uh, i it was a crime in that respect. Mm, mm. but it did grow on me I, yeah. I have to admit there was moments throughout um the the sort of the, the middle of the movie where it just i was starting to buy into the relationship between him and the boy and i was liking when they just stopped in the small town and were just sort of living a life i, I enjoyed that part but the overall plot and the writing no yeah yeah we're, i think we've come in real like and i'm you know guilty of this like i've come in real hot on it on a bit of hate for it there there is some like good stuff in here and it is like like it's okay it's just it's just not great and i think selfishly i just i i want so much more and even the poster kind of indicates to me i want to get so much more maybe apart from that tagline where it's just a story of being lost and uh and found it's kind of a little bit cheesy but it's look it's if you're a big Clint Eastwood fan, this this might be for you, but um, equally it might not be. I think it's um yeah, that was kind of how I was when I was sort of saying about Charlie's Angels. Sort of saying oh, if you're a Charlie's Angels fan, you know you, you might get saying it, but at the same time, if you're a Charlie's Angels fan, you may watch that and say, oh no, that's 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 not what this genre is about. And so that's that's how yeah, I feel with with yeah. Macho. I feel like that's not what Clint Eastwood's about. Indeed, indeed. If you do want to watch Cry Macho, you can find that on uh, Neon here in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it's probably only a, a one gun for me. <laughs> it feels wrong giving Clint just the one gun, but um, it's the the one finger gun for for this one. Yeah, yeah. Shall I uh, jump us on over to the news? Desk? Well, I think there's almost zero point. Actually, I've there's skipped, zero yeah. point having the conversation about what is our pick of the week because we've we've said it ourselves with our, our two top ten picks. I think. So severance in the beer. Yeah, is our, it's uh, these are the it, best, the, the best of it, the week. It, honestly, stop listening to this podcast right now and and go watch one of those two shows. All right. Well, let me uh, bring up my news desk information. So what have we got here? So um, Amazon has introduced a, a new tactic to combat, uh, I guess, review bombing. And so they've introduced 72-hour delays uh, before you can post a review of The Rings of Power just to help, just to stop people coming on board and saying, this is terrible, this is garbage, just kind of, you know, a bit of a, a cool-down period. So apparently that's working out pretty well for them. And I know that... Uh, a few other uh, platforms, review platforms, do that as well, just to kind of let the let the heat simmer, and so hopefully you get more of a, a true reflection 
uh, of the content before reviews come out. So very interesting. Uh, House of the Dragon um, from Game of Thrones, they have released their their first episode on YouTube um, for free, basically to combat uh, the Rings of Power, who I think, I think they released some episodes for for free as well. You know how we sort of talked about there's a bit of a a playoff between House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power, not because they're they're the same, but they're kind of a you know a swords and sandals <laughs> uh, action drama. So um, very interesting kind of tactics being played by the different studios. Uh, also, we've got uh, Netflix is bringing out a little bit sooner than anticipated their ad-supported plan. So if you want a slightly cheaper uh, Netflix service, you are going to be able to have that as long as you watch ads. And the reason they brought that out earlier is they wanted to get ahead of Disney+, Plus, who is also releasing an ad-supported service. Wow. I don't know, Paul. I don't know if I want ads on my streaming. Like, I'll, I'll look at the price difference. <laughs> That's the kind of guy I am. I'll, I will check out the price difference, but there are times. So TVNZ Plus here in New Zealand is the one platform that we watch that does throw ads in. And I think for me, it depends on the show. Like if it's a comedy, I'm not too fussed. But if it's in the imagine in the middle of an episode of Yellowstone, suddenly you go and an advert for the local supermarket. I just don't need that. Not good, not good. Um, yeah, I think I'll wait for your analysis on this because I know you'll run the numbers and um, we'll be able to have a, a deep dive into it. But, yeah, it will be interesting. Um, watch this space, I guess. Uh, over on Star Wars news, a couple of bits here. So uh, in a recent interview with Ryan Johnson, he still thinks his Star Wars trilogy is still very much in development. And from you know, he regularly meets with Kathleen Kennedy. They often talk about the the trilogy that he wants to work on. And he's sort of actually he's come out and said, I would be very sad if this was kind of the if I didn't get to come back to this universe. Now, I you know, you and I have probably have a bit of a split view on Ryan Johnson's um Star Wars um entry into the franchise. Mm. But I do think giving him his own trilogy, I would be interested in. I think I I think you know, an era was made mixing up those, you know, directors in the the final part of the the Star Wars saga. But yeah, look, I'm still interested in in what Ryan Johnson could do with this with this series. I agree. I'm very interested, and I would love to see it. But the other part of me, the protective part of me, the risk adverse classic part of me, is almost like let's just, let's just not go there because I can already feel the backlash even before it's published you know the that it would get from the universe that i just don't need that energy there's always that you know there's so much like you were talking about with the the lord of the rings you know having to shut down reviews it's 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 a risky play it's like um i feel he's a terrific director i've loved pretty much everything he's done but since the last year i went down how it did do we want to risk opening up that i don't know mm-hmm Mm, interesting. Maybe he's going to need to cut his teeth on some uh, Disney Plus content in the Star Wars universe, see how it goes. Yeah, I love um, that. That I could love be that idea. Uh, one final bit of Star Wars news for me. So uh, Squid Game actor Lee Jung Jae arrives in a galaxy far, far away. So he is going to be the lead in uh, Star Wars The Acolyte. So, Amazing. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, he was fantastic in the Squid Games. Uh, love to see him in the Star Wars universe. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. We say this all the time, like we're we're mere weeks away from the Andor series. We've got all these other new series in the works. It's, it's a good time. That's really exciting. I, I, I mean, for starters, I want a, I want a sequel. I want a second season for for Squid Game anyway. But um, just 
hearing that he's coming across to the acolyte because the acolyte is probably the one series you know like i could i could go up and do a specialist subject on mastermind and answer questions about star wars and probably get a high score but i feel like the acolyte is like this completely unknown space and i don't feel like any of us know quite what's happening in that series or what it's going to bring to us whereas with obi-wan with Andor, with boba fett with Mandalorian, we kind of we, we, we've got an, an expectation of what we're getting i think the acolyte i don't think any of us have a clue what we're going to get yeah, no, that's a that's a very good call. And that is me on my new sport. Anything you'd like to add? Uh, only a couple of real bits and pieces. Just John Williams, talking about, you know, Clint Eastwood at 92. John Williams at 90 has come out and he basically said, I'm on the table for the next Bond movie. I want to do a Bond movie. And I just think I, I am one of the biggest John Williams fans from Star Wars to Superman, the rest of it. I'm really intrigued about whether his style of music would work in a Bond movie. I don't. I I want to be open-minded about it. I'm really interested to see if it gets a go-ahead or if, if they just ignore this John Williams noise. But I found it a really interesting thing, mm. someone at that age in his career, to say, do you know what? Give me the Bond franchise. I guess it depends on where they go with this. Like, if they do go with kind of a, a younger Bond, it could be quite cool to kind of have a bit of a a retro kind of throwback vibe and have John Williams do it. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I definitely have some reservations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. But yeah, interesting to see if that goes anywhere, if it's just noise. Um, Catherine Keener uh, has joined the the cast of Joker. I read this week. Um, another great actress. Um, again, don't see so much of these days, but um, this this sequel, this Joker sequel, is something that you and I have been looking forward to for some time. It, there's been some things that have been announced about how it's been done, which have made me sort of wonder where it's going. But I'll, I'll be honest, we're going to watch it. Um, so I'm excited to see the part that she might bring to that. Um, there's a bit of a teaser for season three of Picard. I won't talk about anything that happens in that teaser because a lot of people won't want to know, but um, that's that's going to be an exciting show for me uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably the the biggest news this week is that the friend of the Half Measures podcast, John Ashton, who plays Sergeant Taggart in Beverly Hills Cop, uh, is has revealed he's in the fourth Beverly Hills Cop movie that is in production Two of my favorite characters growing up was Taggart and Rosewood in that Beverly Hills Cop movie. And when he confirmed on Instagram that he's back as Taggart and there's some photos going around, it's amazing. He looks the same age that he did in 1987. And when I looked at him, we we are older than Taggart was in Beverly Hills Cop when it came out. That seems impossible, Dan. I don't know. I don't want to be too vain when we look in the mirror, but it seems impossible to think that Taggart was younger than us at that point. so, and yes, John is a friend of the podcast because he's replied to us before. He likes various posts that we put out. He follows on Instagram. And in fact, on that news, to take us straight into the mailbag, um, John straight away uh, liked our Instagram story of that that news and commented on his page as well. Um, what else have I got this week, Dan? Uh, some older news, but it checks out. Garrett Wang who plays Harry Kim in Star Trek Voyager. He liked, liked the uh, the Voyager review uh, post that we put on Instagram a couple of months ago, actually, when I reviewed season one of Voyager. It's the first ever 90s Star Trek main cast to ever appear in the mailbag. That's pretty cool. I was pretty down with that. Um, 
the show, uh, so you and I really enjoyed uh, The Outlaws. Uh, gave that a favourable review. Um, and just like with our season one re- review, uh, Gamba Cole, um, he he shared our review uh, on on Instagram and Twitter. He's uh, one of the main stars um, as, as Christian Taylor. Uh, or Benjamin Eastfield, depending on which way you look at his character. Um, that was that was awesome. Uh, we also had the BAFTA-winning producer, Nikki Salt, uh, also share a review of that. And then finally, in the mailbag this week, last week's peak performance was Kristen Stewart. Um, and funnily enough, um, we had a nomination for Charlie's Angels uh, from Peter from Germany. Uh, Sarah from Potty Rua went with Panic Room. Uh, Michael from North Carolina gave us a three, two, one. Charlie's Angels, The Runaways, and number one for him was Adventureland. And Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast gave us a three, two, one of Panic Room, Underwater, and Happiest Season. And um, yeah, one final piece of news I forgot. It's Star Trek Day on uh, on the. Uh, on the end of the week, so come Friday in New Zealand time, which will be Thursday US time, it's the official Star Trek day. So that's kind of like the equivalent of May the 4th, which is always exciting. What do you say for Star Trek day? Like, you know, how we say May the 4th be with you. What's the, is there a saying? Uh, well, there's no real saying. Um, it's They've done it to coincide with uh, First Contact Day, which if you're familiar with the movie First Contact oh, so, um but yeah, there, there's no, sure. I'll be honest, there's no sort of easy go-to. Not quite as cool. Well, Dan, that's not what I said. You put, <laughs> <laughs> let's, be, let's be really careful here with what we're saying. It, it's just as cool. <laughs> okay. I guess depending on where you look at it. That is good. Um, so that is the the news and the melodies for the week. Shall we jump on over to our peak performance for this week? Let's go. So like our movie of the week, we take it in turns each week to look back on the career of someone from the movie TV industry and say, well, what's the best thing they've done? This week we're switching it up. Dan, you've brought us back to the director's chair, which is always a bit of fun. And in the director's chair this week, Michael Bay. What a director, Paul. Like he's uh he's uh known for the big explosions, the big bangs. Um and you know, he's despite, you know, his reviews of later may be a little bit more questionable, I do think he has some some real classics. So I'm gonna go with my honorable mention. I'm gonna go with a movie that not a lot of people love, but I love it. I'm going with 2001's Pearl Harbor. How like this movie Three hours, three minutes long. Start started cast. We've got Ben Affleck. We've got Kate Beckinsale. We've got Josh Hartnett. It's Alec Baldwin. It's John Voight. Cuba Gooding Jr. The, 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 honestly, the list goes on. It's we're talking about an attack on Pearl Harbor. We've got you know planes flying. Like it's honestly such a like it's a ridiculous, over the top, over dramatized fantastically good time and this is one of those movies that i want to say every year but probably every three to four years i get the urge to watch pearl harbor and i love every minute of it it's um it's just a great time it's it's a it's a part of world war ii history that i i always enjoy kind of watching and i know it doesn't review well and i know there's a lot of hate for it but honorable mention for me i love that yeah yeah it's it's good it's a good one but my peak performance for Michael Bay 
is I'm going with 1995's Bad Boys. Like I'm a I'm a big fan of the the Bad Boys universe, um, despite the the recent hate for Will Smith. The original kind of love between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in this movie, absolutely incredible. This is this is a movie that defines my late teen years. That kind of yellow filter that Michael Bay has over the whole film, just to really give you the 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 vibe, the you know, the the drama, like there's fast cars, there's big explosions, there's intense cop scenes. This is everything uh late teens Daniel Whiting wanted in a in a movie. And it just still to this day, love this franchise. Great soundtrack, total package. And I, I think at this point Michael Bay could do no wrong. I think things have really gone a little bit downhill um in the later years. But as I say, these are these are some great movies for me. And and there's probably more I could have brought to the table. So I'm, I'm hoping you've got some of those in your list. Yeah, you're in that peak Michael Bay period, I think. And um, do you know, I, I think I have a little bit of a gift with some things when it comes to predicting. So on the weekend when my son plays football, I can pretty much always predict who's going to get the player of the day and who will get the honourable mention. I can always think, and I'm pretty close. And I had picked both of these for you. And I feel pretty, and I wish I'd written it down so I could prove it to you because I, I I knew you were going to go in this direction and I, I, I love it. Um Pearl Harbor, I think, is so underrated. And I I think you've mentioned on the podcast before that you sort of get the urge to sort of do a rewatch every few years or something. And it it every time I watch it, I always think, why all the hates? Like I I I know why the hate, but I just I don't have a problem with it. And I just think the action scenes 21 years later really still hold up, right? So um and Bad Boys is I'll be honest, a movie I haven't watched in many a year. Um, and I haven't seen the latest ones either, but I know that this was just absolute classic. And of course the theme song and all the rest of it, just legendary. So um, great choices. And it is kind of that almost like that, you know, that buddy cop type vibe where you've got a serious cop, you've got a cop that wants to kind of like retire. And it's, it's just kind of that, that, you know, we, we see then things like lethal weapon and, you know, even like a bit of Beverly Hills cop, like there's something magical about the, the the juxtaposition of two cops on different journeys yeah. oh really good analogy there with, with beverly hills cop so i feel like that would be a, a a real fun rewatch as a maybe as a trilogy who knows i don't know but certainly the original i am um, i i think so as i say i think you've got him michael bay in that peak peak sort of moment you know we, we talked we reviewed the rock a couple of weeks ago and again that's right in that peak my two movies, uh, two years apart, and I think I've got him. I think I've got him just at the end, just before he went really over the top. We'll see how we go. My honourable mention is 2005's The Island, and this is a movie that also gets a lot of hate and maybe wasn't as successful as perhaps um, it was tended to be. But um, so this is the. Uh, my goodness, I was going to say Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor, <laughs> Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson uh, movie and futuristic sci-fi thriller. I feel like I, I love the premise. I love the idea of Obi-Wan having like an evil clone. I love this action-packed sort of, this was just before, as I say, he started to go totally over the top action, but great cast, great popcorn, great cinema experience. Um, it just had a really good it's a, it's a it's a movie that if you know we often talk about oh if you were to throw something into the movie of the week as an old throwback this is 
this is an old one that checks out for me and it's it's um for me as i say just at that period where i thought it was before he went off the rail off the rails a bit so that's my honorable mention the island and then just two years later i'm gonna do it 2007's transformers and and i do want to be really clear here that this is the 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 2007 movie the first movie and not any of the subsequent (laughs) sequels to the franchise that he directed um i it just really holds a special place in my heart because it just really brought to life for me uh, something from my childhood that i absolutely love right up there with you know you, with, with star wars with batman the the transformers in the 80s that series i never expected to have that brought to life in this way and i just thought it was magical if i'm honest and i think there were some things that he did really well i think some really great decisions like bringing peter cullen back as the voice of optimus prime from the 80s just gave it that uh, credibility it felt so real it wasn't perfect you know he has to ruin parts with some typical types of michael bay scenes but you kind of ex- like like charlie's angels you sort of expect that when you sign up and you buy the ticket sometimes so uh yeah transformers for me was the first movie was uh a real treasure and it's a i've rewatched that one not the sequels but i've rewatched that first one a number of times and i i really rate it I'm glad you brought it up because I I really wanted to put Transformers the first one in my list as well and I just I I, I it didn't quite make it but I think for for the same reasons as you I think it's such a an an amazing kind of bringing to life of the Transformers and even though there's got a few parts of that I didn't overly agree with I think just seeing Optimus Prime transform like form like the, the axe in his hand incredible like so good and I think there's so many like wonderful moments in there and I, I still remember going to the movies to see this when it first came out and just being blown yeah. away and the, you know some of the the criticism was there was too much human and you know there should have been more focus on the robots more focus on the Transformers I felt that this was also for me, and we, we haven't done a, I don't believe we've done a peak performance for, for Shia LaBeouf, but um, I felt like he really sold to me everything he was doing with was Bumblebee. Great. And I felt that whole dynamic mm. with Bumblebee at the house and the comedy with the parents in this first movie was just the right balance uh, to sort of, you know, against the action scenes and the, you know, the evil Decepticons. I, I just, I just thought he really nailed this one and you know the ratings for it are, are pretty good and obviously what happened afterwards we'll never talk about <laughs> indeed indeed and it's still like it's still sitting at you know 440 on the popularity yeah. meter of imdb so it's, it's pretty good those are good shouts paul um i think it was good to have a look through michael bay's back catalog and i'm sure there's many more explosions to come in our future yeah i feel like when we go for our 90s rewatches um on movie of the week i, I feel like there's some movies of his, yeah. Other movies, and I'm not. I know we we shouldn't talk about movies that haven't made the cut, but like other movies like Armageddon, like just just classic nineties. Armageddon again, like Armageddon is definitely going to be in somebody's three, two, one next week. I think again, just like incredible soundtrack, incredible cast. Like there's a, there's a lot to love there, and I feel like it was a real era of sort of apocalypse type movies, and it just it came out at the right time. Yeah. Oh, it really did. So um, so yeah, so great. Great call on bringing Michael Bay to the uh, to the uh, the peak performance. I think sometimes when we bring in people that are perhaps less like 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 Kristen Stewart, I think sometimes it, it can yield some really interesting results. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what we we do, as you say, get in the mailbag next week. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Meshes podcast. Indeed. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Like I said, let us know what your Michael Bay movie is. Um, if you've if you watch Crime Matcher, if you're a big Clint Eastwood fan and you disagree with us, let us know. Or anything we've talked about, um, get in touch with us on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever your social media is, get in touch. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Trisha Brady, and Diana Kanawa. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone. Adios. Mm-hmm.